Here is my race, and I don't like the you do, like call me. Hey podcast listener, you're listening to the Semi-Pro Cycling Podcast. The weekly podcast where we discuss all the issues that cyclists talk about. Whether you're out training, commuting, or just riding around, sit down and listen in, because we're about to begin. I got something to say, man. Yo-ho! Welcome to episode 12 of the Semi-Pro Cycling Podcast, where we believe that only a semi-pro cyclist will stay up late to watch Euro races on crap live streams. If you stick around to the end, I'll fill you in on the quote from the top of the show and let you know who's hanging shit on Call Me Maybe. Today, I want to start with some reviews that I've got on iTunes. I didn't even know these guys were even up here waiting for me to read. I was super excited when I found it. It's just that in iTunes itself, if you want to look at reviews, you have to go to every single different country uh, and I just don't do that anyway. So I've got one from Beneath, best cycling podcast, five stars. This is an awesome podcast, gets to the point with tons of great tips and useful techniques. I subscribe to a few cycling related podcasts. This is most definitely the best. Good job. Thank you very, very much. That means a lot to me. I'm trying to make this so that all cyclists tell other cyclists so then we can share our love of cycling together. Another one here, A New Perspective by Statchelm, five stars. The Semi-Pro Cycling Podcast has the potential to become a great, great podcast. Honest, pro tour commentary and insightful writing tips for everyone from the competitive race to the casual commuter. But can Damien Roos continue to deliver the high-quality content and audio from the first five episodes? I am definitely subscribing to find out. If you want real cycling talk from a real cyclist, you should subscribe too. Wow, that's huge. I don't even know this dude. Thank you very much for the review. It does mean a lot to me. I also want to give a shout out to Brian, Amanda, Jake and Joshua for getting in touch over email via the website or via Twitter. It means a lot. I really appreciate any form of contact because all I want to do, I'm isolated here. I I just want to talk to other cyclists. Even we're just shooting the shit about whatever's happening. I'm amped and especially the guys that are going into like a cross season or whatever. It's getting me pumped because I'm not racing. I just have one quick question for you. If you have the time, can you please take a second out of your day to answer this via Twitter or the comment section, anywhere that you can get to me? It would really mean the world to me. And this is the question. What cycling-related software or products are you currently looking for that don't currently exist? Okay, enough of that. Let's get straight to the news. Amiga Pharma Quickstep are the new team time trial world champions. What do you think of the world's team time trial? I'm not that fussed because it doesn't really seem like it's made for the fans. Unless you're like a super team fan, you're really into the team. It's a good way of rounding out the year's racing calendar for the teams themselves. I watch races like the Olympics and the World Championships and I always wonder if it's easy for riders to switch loyalties from team to country. I'm not really questioning rider loyalty to their country here, but it must be really hard to put it in for someone that's not your leader 99% of the time. You know, loyalty, trust, and respect take time to build up. And I guess repping your country must outweigh this to some extent. But when you have to actually put your head down and work yourself just so someone else in your team can win, I don't know how much extra effort you're going to put in compared to if it's your team. So getting back to the team time trial, I think that it's a great chance to race and win a world title with your teammates, your buddies, other riders that share your blood, sweat and tears over the long season. It's another time to celebrate the year together before parting ways. I'm sure there's some big parties unless you're riding in the Tour of Beijing. So, for the teams, I'm all for it. Now, just bring on the road race. 
Okay, let's get to the nuts and bolts. And today, I'm going to try and hack pro recovery tools, techniques, and gadgets so we can get some benefit from them. Specifically, what do the pros use? What are the semi-pro alternatives and should we use them? I have to admit, my post-race ride routine is pretty poor. So I wanted to do an exercise and look into if I was starting from scratch what I would do. I thought that just going through what the pros themselves are doing would be quite helpful and trying then to incorporate that into the format. We're aiming here to get a full recovery day every day. At the very, very core of cycling, there's basically three components. You're training, you're resting, and you're refueling, you're eating. Um, so, you know, the, one of the biggest components right there is the rest, the recovery valuable part of the sport. That's Ted King breaking down cycling to three components, training, resting, recovery, and refueling. In its simplest form, recovery is much like sobering up. The only effective way to get waste out of your body is by waiting. And unaided, the body takes about 12 to 24 hours to flush out all the junk from a hard day on the bike or the bottle. Expression, don't stand when you can sit and don't sit when you can lay down. I mean, it means everything in the sport. So... As a cyclist, okay, you come across as a bit lazy when you're trying to get horizontal and get into bed after a good training ride. Like Ted just explained, pros rest and sleep a lot. But how much can you afford to do? How much time off can you afford to sleep? I'm going to assume here, just like me, when I was training 20 hours plus other commitments, like a job, like family, like whatever, you just can't do it. So what can we do about it? Well, we see the coverage year after year of teams using new ways of recovering, and no, I'm not talking about blood transfusions. Ouch. I'm talking about tools, techniques, and gadgets that are used to speed up the process. For pros, it's important in stage races to recover quickly so they can get moving the next day, but we can take the same ideas and apply them to our own lives to recover under tight schedules with competing priorities. Let's get into the fun stuff. And let me say, there is so much bullshit floating around the internet when it comes to this stuff. Everyone seems to have a load of marketing spin, and I want to break it down and look at what you are actually trying to do in the recovery process, and then how to hack the process without blowing cash on useless products. All the devices I'm going to mention here are trying to speed up the process, you know, flush out the bad stuff quickly so that you can recover faster, but which ones are proven to work and which ones aren't. That, my friends, are the shrieks of hardened pro cyclists slipping into a nice, relaxing ice bath. If you've ever had the pleasure of trying one, then it may sound somewhat familiar. Is the eight or nine minutes of cold water submersion worth it? Falling under the broad medical term cryotherapy, ice bath are said to aid recovery by reducing inflammation, speeding recovery, and decreasing muscle pain and soreness, amongst other things. But the main study that I looked at, and the only one that I could find with cyclists as subjects, was one called Effective Hydrotherapy on Recovery from Fatigue. It was done in July of 2008, and it found that cold water immersion and contrast therapy may actually help recovery from short maximal efforts or during successive efforts on high-intensity rides, such as stage races. The subjects completed a week of intense daily workouts, and after each workout, 
they used one of four different recovery methods. Between each week of workouts, they took nine days off. The four recovery methods included immersion, in at 15 degrees Celsius, 59 degrees Fahrenheit, in a pool for 14 minutes, immersion in 38 degrees Celsius, 100.4 degree Fahrenheit water for 14 minutes, alternating between cool and hot water every minute for 14 minutes, and number four, 14 minutes of complete rest. The study reported that the cyclists performed better in a sprint and time trial after cool water immersion and contrast water therapy, but their performance declined both with hot water baths and complete rest. Encouraging results, but not really conclusive. It all sounds like a lot of unnecessary pain to me, and even the pros that are using it are not totally convinced. So, is there a less confronting alternative? AG2R has been seen lugging around and using a cryo sauna this year. The cryo sauna is a high tech cryotherapy machine that uses a similar idea regarding the cold to do the same things as ice baths. They're in the device for about two and a half minutes, and it's simply cold air that's flowing over the skin. We're not freezing any organs or tissues, it's literally going half a millimeter thick. At what cost though? Behind me is the Space Cabin. It's a product that provides cryotherapy treatment for athletes. And what we do is we use liquid nitrogen, uh, pump it into the product. It's transformed into gasiform air within this part of the, the device and then pumped into this cylinder behind me where the athlete stands to achieve temperatures of up to minus 300 degrees Fahrenheit. Companies like the one Eric Rapture is the CEO of have started creating these devices for athlete recovery. As you heard, they are a lot more complex than ice baths, which apart from fancy temp-controlled ones are just kiddie pools filled with ice water. Not many semi-pros will have access to one of these though. By the way, this exact machine costs $50,000 and was responsible for a nasty freezer burn on the side of an NBA's player right foot. It was at the night campus, and it meant he actually got dropped from his team and didn't compete in the NBA the next year. Just interesting facts. The bottom line is that there is some evidence that ice baths can reduce muscle soreness, at least when compared to doing nothing or hot showers alone but it's not clear whether they're more effective than other treatments like compression garments. The next thing is in the hydro area, and it's called contrast therapy. In the Australian study I referred to, I just quickly skipped over contrast therapy because I wanted to mention it now. To me, it is a time-wise and cost-attainable solution if you want to incorporate hydrotherapy into your recovery routine. I first heard about contrast therapy at the Australian Institute of Sport at a training camp in the late 90s. So it's been around and it continues to be an alternative. In big facilities like the AIS, they have dedicated plunge pools making it easier to muster up courage to get in. Even when I was in Turkey earlier this year, most big hotels have the same setup. No doubt it's for the tingly feeling after swapping between the sauna and the plunge pool, or was it just because it was unisex? But it's also hard to replicate it home or in a small hotel on the road. So let's just have a look at it and what it is before we look at any home solutions. Contrast therapy is basically just subjecting the body to a temperature deviation as large as possible by alternating between hot and cold water. There is a debate going on regarding whether to have a hot shower after ice baths or not. There are also studies that cannot draw conclusions on its usefulness in recovery. I'm not getting into that. I will say though that I have used a quick shower version of this for years mainly after big rides or hot rides where my core temp is higher than normal. But note, if you really want to wimp out, just use a detachable shower head on your legs only. Okay, so here's the rundown. Contrasting should follow the following basic pattern. Three to six alternations between heating and cooling. More is probably getting to be a waste of time and less, less than three is probably not worth bothering with either. Step one, about two minutes of heating, comfortably hot. Step two, 
about a minute of cooling, cool, not cold. Step three, about two minutes of heating, hotter. Step four, about one minute of cooling, colder. And step five, two minutes of heating, as hot as you can handle. And step six, one minute of cooling, as cold as you can handle. And that's it. Stop it. Make sure you finish on the cold water. I know it sucks. You should finish a contrast session on the cold water, particularly if you suspect that you might be a little inflamed. Never finish in the heat if you're concerned about aggravating inflammation. You might choose to finish in the heat if your priority is having a more relaxing experience. I know 60% of people that are listening to this are going to wimp out. I do it sometimes. You're in good company. This is purely from experience, but I find that the sensation after getting out of the shower enough to convince me that it's doing something. So it is my recommendation here to do this. And since you're going to be sharing anyway, at least give it a try for yourself. Some mornings, afternoons, whenever, it's hard to face the courage to do it because it's actually quite challenging mentally. But I believe if you come out of this, you are ready for the day. You are pumped and amped, even though you should be cooling down. But you are ready. Your mind is just ready to tackle anything that the day throws at you. That's a side note. Compression here is the next one. And I'm bringing up compression garments here, even though I'm assuming that you formed an opinion on them. They've been around since, well, um, I don't actually know, but well, you either now probably own a pair or you don't. I don't actually own a pair, except that I do own some compression socks, which I use for running and flying on airplanes. This field is where the marketing bullshit radar really goes haywire. Just for some fun, I wrote this press release, Compression Croc. Using a dynamic gradient strategic pressure flow compression and high-grade elastometric yarns to squeeze tighter the superior-grade circulant structure with bioacceleration technology permanently bonds hydraulic molecules to mid-weight and heavy-weight synthetic fiber surfaces, while enhanced precipitation uses accelerated moisture transport and modular projection zones that are treated with antimicrobial agents and body-molded panel technology to let you recover faster. That's a sample of what's out there. And I guess we're talking about some tights here, some tight tights here. So you've got to spin it every which way you can. I'm sure you've got your favorite brand. I don't know what I bought. Two times you is my socks. It just baffles me. But anyway, let's get into the uh, the interesting stuff. Oh, and there is a product that I found that combines compression and ice. The Blitz 110%. This is all besides the point though. I know pros use compression gear. So is there any scientific evidence that they work? The evidence is still quite weak when we're looking at making you ride faster. However, there is some evidence that they can help you recover after a hard workout. A study called Positive Effect of Lower Body Compression Garments on Subsequent 40-Kilometer Cycling Time Trial Performance has some intriguing results. The study consisted of 14 trained cyclists that did a 40-kilometer time trial. Their average was 66 minutes. In the recovery, they were given either a pair of full-length graded compression tights or an ordinary pair of spandex tights which they wore continuously for the next 24 hours, removing them only to shower. They did another 40-kilometer time trial to see which group had recovered better, and a week later, they did two more 40-kilometer time trials using whichever pair of tights they hadn't used the week before. The results are as follows. Overall, the cyclists finished the second time trial 1.2% faster if they'd worn graduated compression leggings for the 24-hour period of recovery which is pretty significant. The researchers aren't clear why this happened and they didn't see a clear difference in how much oxygen the cyclists use or in their perceived exertion. One theory they suggest is that the enhanced blood flow helped restock the glycogen stores in the cyclist's legs a little bit more quickly. Eh, 
Now, this is not the be-all and end-all of compression garment studies. Using two types of tights is, though, a clever way of tricking the subject's mind because for a long time, I've thought that if nothing else, compression garments could help put your mind at ease. To think that you are doing every single thing possible, even when you're sleeping or traveling on a plane, is a big advantage regardless of what any studies say. So, whether the subjects were actually told that the purpose of the study was to compare two different types of compression leggings, it would be interesting to know whether it was obvious to the subjects that the compression garment was more real than just a plain legging, but the study doesn't tell us how much they guessed. The bottom line here is there is still no overwhelming proof that compression garments speed up the recovery process. This one again comes down to personal choice, and my advice here is don't waste your money. Moving on, I want to take a quick look at active recovery, but not just any old active recovery like coffee shop rides, but did you know that you can also be sitting down and doing active recovery? Doesn't make sense, right? Introducing the recovery pump, compression legging things. This is directly from the website. Replicating the action of the muscle pumps in the legs. Active compression temporarily increases circulation and venous blood flow during use. Reduces swelling from inadequate venous flow massages all of the muscles in the feet, ankles, calves, thighs, all of the lower extremities, and much more. Treat to reduce aches and pains caused by fatigue. Nothing is left untouched from the surface to the deep tissue, from the toes to the hip. It's a thousand bucks for the entire setup, and I'm not sure that it's worth it. What it does, you put these big fat things on your, on your legs, and they just actively pump up from the bottom up pushing all that crap out into the heart so it can circulate and then spread it out. I I really can't comment on this. All, all I wanted to do is bring it to your attention. I've got a link in the show notes. It looks interesting, but really at a thousand bucks a pop, I, I just don't know whether you can justify it, let alone lugging it around. If you were taking planes, is this the priority? Is it going to be that good that you're going to want to give up some clothing or whatever so you can fit under the weight limit of the airline? If anyone has used this, if the owner of this thing finds out, just get in contact with me, man. I'd be interested to, to talk a little bit more about it. It seems like it's aimed at the triathlete market. That may be strategic because they're the guys that buy all the stuff just between you and me. But but perhaps there are some pro cyclists using it. I, I have no idea. I'm not touching it any further. Lips are sealed. The next one is interesting. And I thought I'd seen it before and I was right. The muscle stimulator. <laughs> That's right. It's muscle stimulation, and they are the jackass guys. If you haven't seen that clip, it's pretty funny. It's typical jackass. They get a little personal with where they're putting the pads. If you watch jackass, you would have already seen it. If you don't, then you're probably not into it, so don't worry about it. But anyway, here is some pros that are now using them. Perfect thing when you can't get a massage is to use the Compex. I've got all my electrodes set up on my calves here. Basically, you then pick whatever you want out of the machine so you can do potentiation, endurance, yeah. and I'm gonna use Recovery Plus. We get this started. That's at a 25 minute interval to up the, the electronic pulses. Sure enough, you can see my legs start to pulse. That was Alistair Lutit with the Compex. Uh, the use of electrostimulation or EMS, which is a little machine that sends electrical pulses into the muscle, is a form of recovery used. Apparently, it does give you an extra bit of recovery. It can act like a massage in that it stimulates the blood flow and it creates a pumping effect. When you actually see it on the skin, 
I will link a video. When you see it on the skin, it's amazing how much movement the, the muscle actually gets from it. I don't know exactly whether just moving a muscle around is going to do anything for you, but it is said to stimulate blood flow and creates a pumping effect. The electric muscle stimulators can help induce a relaxation state and also break down adhesions that may exist between muscle fibers. You have to own your own machine to do it, and they're getting smaller and cheaper. I didn't actually look at the price. Sorry, I will put in the show notes, but I'm not sure about this one. It seems like it's the same type of product that was sold in infomercials as an alternative to exercise. Anyone have any experience with this? Just let me know. I, again, am interested to hear. For now, there's no way for me to recommend them. It just seems like it's more marketing spin to me. In conclusion, after all of that, what have we got left? Ice baths, no. Contrast therapy, try it. Compression garments, no. Muscle stimulation, no. So basically, just return to the classics. It seems to me that anything the pro use is either just marketing or hype, and there's nothing really to back the goods up. So here's how one pro team recovers after a stage tour. Rehydration, three and a half liters of liquid, 120 calories, 1.5 liter sports drink, 400 calories, 1 liter with 40 gram protein drink, 400 calories with 1 liter of sugar and vitamin C solution. Then they have food of white rice, eggs, potatoes, scrambled eggs and fruit. Then body, then they have to shower straight away to stop infections happening. This is where you could drop hydrotherapy in. Then they have massage, physio, doctor, chiropractor. That's a pro luxury. Then they have food, but massage, get on the roller, stretch it out. Food, dinner, then bed. So like we discussed last week, sleep, sleep, and more sleep. Seems pretty straightforward in theory to me. Practice, I know it'll be a little bit harder. So let's get to the tech hacks and products section. And this week is how not to ride hills to do well on hills. We all know that smashing out hills is a great way to get intense workout. In fact, it's actually my preferred way because I don't have to use any mental effort to stay in my training zone. I just have to get to the hill, get my heart rate up in the first couple of hundred meters and just hold on to it. But if you live in a flat area, the only way to do something like this is to listen to local weather reports and note the direction of the wind and then ride into it. A strong wind can help you stimulate hill climbing. You need to push hard into the wind using a big gear for at least six minutes and no longer than 45 minutes once or twice a week to get the aerobic benefits of climbing big hills and you will also get the tailwind on the way home. Woohoo! A headwind not only stimulates climbing, it will build mental toughness because we all know that riding into headwinds suck. I work under the theory that if everything you do is hard, when it comes time to step up or step down, it will be easy. An example of this is training on McDonald's and Coke, then switching to Whole Foods on the week of the big race. Just kidding. Okay, hope you got that. I'm going to have to use that because there's not many hills around where I am at the moment if I get on a bike soon. So let's get to that quote from the top of the show. It's ex-pro rider Peter Van Pietengam. I've got to say that again. It's ex-pro rider Peter Van Pietengam, a rare winner of the Ronde Valderen and the Paris-Roubaix in the same year, stating his dislike for Call Me Maybe at the GP Van Pietengam in Belgium. Lucky Griple won, or should I say, it's more Aussie humour, it was a total setup. And that's it. So, till next week, get on your bike and enjoy the pain cave or the hurt box, whichever one you're into. 